Praise the Lord. A few weeks ago, I started talking about fear, uh, freedom from fear. God wants us to serve him without fear. God wants us to serve him without the fear of punishment. God wants us to serve him without the fear of rejection. God does not want us to uh, walk in religious uh, fear. And I, I call that different kind of fears. And um, we dealt with uh, the fear of religion in the past three weeks. And today I want to talk about the fear of people. The fear of people. Now, let's turn our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 to 27. And um, let's open to the New Living Translation. Proverbs 29. Amen. 25%. So, Proverbs 29, verse 25 to 27. The New Living Translation. The Bible says that fearing people is a dangerous trap. Fearing people, being afraid of people, is a dangerous trap. Let me repeat one more time. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice comes from the Lord. The righteous despise the unjust. The wicked despise the godly. Friends, we're going to have an amazing time this morning and next week. Because I'm so confident that I will not be able to finish this topic today. My wife is laughing at me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm very, very confident of that because I'm going to take it very slowly. All right. So um, before we start this journey, if you have friends, if you have anyone that you want to share, uh, the, if you're connecting with us live from social media, you want to share the link with people uh, because I'm going to be talking about things that will set people free. Amen. Amen. Set people free. And um, okay, just um, to let you know ahead of time, it's going to, some of these things will rob, rob you, most likely going to rob you the wrong way. And um, so that you can repent and so that you can repent. Half that repentance is yesterday. Amen. So, um, it's going to be amazing. And I was sharing with the church family this morning during prayer. I said, and one of the things that God was showing me actually is not that something I cooked up in my mind that change is painful. Change is very painful. So when it's time for you to let go of some labels or some stigma or some, or some behavior, right? That has held you in bondage. It's going to be very painful. When I say painful, I mean, it's not going to be easy on your flesh, on your emotions. But you have to do it so that you can experience the peace that God has given to you in Christ Jesus so that you can discover who God has called you to be so that you can become it so that you can fulfill your purpose in life. Amen. Amen. So the Bible tells us here that fearing people is a dangerous trap. You know, I think the New King James Version renders it that the fear of man is a snare. That's the kind of very simplistic. The fear of people. So when you see fear of man, right, in the Bible, it means people. You know, man there means mankind. So man or woman, amen, including your boss, including your wife. God doesn't want us to be afraid of anyone. A few people have spoken to me and they said things like, you know, you, you're, you're cooking up your boldness. And um, five, six years down the line, they said to me, Sunday, you've not changed. You know, I'm wondering why people will expect that my passion and drive for God will reduce over a period of time. I don't understand. Should that be? Amen. So you see me talk, speak more in boldness today. And one of the principal reasons why I am quite bold is because of my trust and confidence in God. Amen. Can I say that 
I care about people, but I'm learning not to be afraid of people. And can I also say that I do struggle with fear of people. I must be, I must be very honest. So I told the church family that this morning I'll start with myself. So as you have started the service with us, please stay, you know, till the end. Because there are things I'm going to say in the middle uh, that if you don't connect carefully from the start, you will go off and start saying, Pastor Sunday said this. Amen. And I also want to encourage the church family to carefully pay attention to what I'm going to be talking about. I often realize that people don't know how to listen. And this is not a disrespect to anyone. People, we don't, we don't know how to listen. So we just speak something, somebody says somewhere, and we just jet off. But we don't say, what was he trying to say? Did I hear the entire thing? I shared with people for a few weeks ago, I said, the reason why I find it difficult to share some of my messages online, I mean, an excerpt, is because you don't know where I'm coming from or where I'm going. And this must be a discipline for every Christian that you listen to people from the start to finish, not listen with your own perspective, but from biblical perspective. So Holy Spirit is so good. So I said, I'm going to start a campaign this morning. No more political correctness, but biblical correctness. So you can do, if you, if you, if you happen to tweet, or post anything from my post today, you say hashtag biblical correctness. It's called biblical correctness, right? But I like to stretch it so that you can understand. It's not political correctness, but now it's biblical correctness. You know, sometimes when we talk and address some things, people think we are mean. I'm like, but when the Bible is talking to you, it's not telling, it's not trying to tell you, oh, brother James, you know, that thing you're doing, you see, if you go in that direction, who's got time for that? Wickedness is wickedness. Sin is sin. Let's let's face it. Amen. Amen. So no more political correctness. So if anyone is coming to me for counseling and they're thinking I'm going to be politically correct, you have come to the wrong person. With all due, not with all due respect, you have come to the wrong person. Because in love, I will tell you what it is, but I will tell you what the Word of God says. I'm not going to be dancing around, you know. I think you should. So if you don't want to hear the truth, please, I beg you by the message of God, don't come to me. Because... They refuse, and many of you know that I don't, I'm not abrasive. You know, many people know me. My friend, who happens to be here, Pastor Dayako, bless you, we'll have it happy to ask today, <laughs> says to me that, you know, sometimes I handle things with diplomacy. As my friend is telling me that I handle things with diplomacy, I think I'm kind of good enough. So I don't attack people, I don't hit people, I don't dig at people. But I'll say the truth. One of my colleagues at work one day said to me, Sunday, you are too honest. I'm like, is there anything that's too honest? I said, what do you expect me to say? Because I think a particular person had something stick, um, something stuck on their face. And I said to the person, I said, there's something on your face. And um, take it off. Something like that. And he said to me, he said, no, you don't say that. So what do you expect him to say? You don't say anything. And I said, then you expect the person to be carrying the thing all around on the face. This is not right. So if it's something you have inherited in the, in the, with all due respect, I'm not trying to attack any culture, but if it's something you have inherited in the British culture, you got to kill it. As a Christian watching me, you are not called to be a British, even if you're a British citizen. I am a British citizen. You are not called to be a British. You are called to be a kingdom person, a child of God. And the way we operate in the kingdom of God is very different from the way we operate in the kingdom of the earth. Amen. Amen. So fear of people is a dangerous trap. While we're praying this morning, the Lord spoke to me about victim mentality. So I want to do everything that the Lord asked me to do. You know, while as I was praying this morning, then I, I carry on on our journey. Who is a victim? A victim is a person who is injured, who is harmed. You know, a, a person who is damaged one way or the other. Somebody who was attacked or hurt in one way or the other. And Lord was showing me that one of the reasons why many people are still in that state of mess they are today is because of the mentality 
of somebody did this to me, somebody did this to me, somebody did this to me, and they stayed there. And Lord is asking, why do you want to remain there? If people hurt you, should you keep nursing the wound? Why don't you do to God, to Christ Jesus for healing? Because that victim mentality, right, you know, inspires into other areas of our life and our relationship with other people. And we're not able to have healthy relationship with people. Something did this to me. And we begin to, you know, I was, um, who was I talking to? I can't remember. Um, I, I was dealing with the situation. I can't remember the situation very clearly right now. But the, the offshoot of the problem was that the woman had been abused by men growing up. So she was projecting the image of that abuse on her husband. And she had all manner of venom on the husband. I think Jasmine also had a similar situation. So Jasmine was abused sexually by her father for 14 years. And when she got married, you know, unconsciously what she was doing was she was taking it out on her husband. But that was not the man who abused him. You know, the one day the man, according to her, the man said to her, if you don't change, I don't know what I can do. Something on those lines. I'm not, I'm not very precise now. And she said, you realize that way, I need to fix myself. She said she will moan, she will complain, she will attack, she will cramp, pump, she will do everything because she was, you know, she was going through a lot. Somebody, when, you, when, you, when your father abused you sexually for 14 years, and there's a lot of stuff that the woman said, right? But the woman said, you know what, it's time for me to change. I got to do something. There was no special anointing that came from heaven upon her. She saw the need to change and started working with God on those things. Amen. Amen. So a victim mentality will kill us faster than we should think that we think because it's going to get people to go away from us because every time they come around you, there's a vibe you send around them. They're going to be comfortable. See, life is too complicated and too challenging that people should come should be sucking their thumb around us. And like, oh, this happened to me. No, it's, it's draining. It's very it's psychologically and mentally draining. When somebody wants to remain in victim mentality, and one of the reasons why I had a very different opinion to the Black Lives Matter, a very different opinion. Should we campaign? Yes. Should we educate people that we are not slaves? Yes. Should we educate there should be no discrimination? No. Should we protest? Yes. We should do these things to bring things to the consciousness of people. But for us to be acting from a point of they did this to us, they did this to us, is, is weakening us. And many of you can testify to this that victim mentality, seeing yourself as a victim from time to time, weakens and kills you. You've not been able to make the progress you should make. Amen? Amen. If the Lord tells me, I'll tell you, but like, I have to deliver that force. Fantastic. Let's carry on. Fear of people, we say, is a dangerous trap. Fear of people is a dangerous trap. Now, what is fear of people? One, one of them. No, this unhealthy desire to be validated, accepted by people. Unhealthy desire. Unhealthy want. Now, I, want, I should make this clear. The Bible tells us that we are created in the image and the likeness of God. And God loves our praise. Right? God loves our praise. So whether we like it or not, in a sense, we will kind we to have an, a desire to be praised. I love how Jesus handled in the book of John chapter 5. Talks, when he was rebuking the Pharisee, he said, You love the praise of men, not the praise that come from God. Ooh. Amen. And we're talking about praise. We're talking about we're talking about honor, respect acknowledgement so jesus was telling us in the book of john chapter 5 that there is a praise that come from god and that's what you and i should seek do you know why we should most seek the praise that come from god because human beings are flawed Amen. when you think men should when you think men should praise you when you think men should be you know 
jeering. That's when they may actually be against you. Look at Jesus Christ. Now, in John chapter 5, I think, he, did, he fed 5,000 people. John chapter 6, he was talking about his mission, his assignment, and everything. And everybody, over 5,000 people, I believe, left him. It's just like, I have a 5,000 member church. And I preached the gospel, a sound gospel one day. And um, 4,000 plus people left me. Save Johnny. What did I say? Save Johnny. See, God is preparing my heart and God has opened my eyes to see more. And I'm seeing more. The I'm not trying to demean people here. But the instability of people. There's a word I'm looking for. I'm not, it's not coming to my mind right now. I get the fickleness of people. And that's why the few people in your life who stay for you, who stay around for you, as I was in Dyer's post recently, people, few people in your life who stand for you are the people you should value and respect and keep very closely. Not the ones that are celebrating you and telling you what you want to hear. People are fickle. And seeing this has trained me, and that's why I'm not letting go of my 9 to 5 job until I start running my business, like I'm, you know, I don't want to go into all of these details because I'm not going to rely on human beings to meet my needs because human beings are fickle. You just need to say something they don't like and they will threaten the church to say, I'm not going to pay tight. I thank God for the church members who are giving tight. Okay, we don't pay tight here, we give. Who are giving tight and regular giving here, right? I thank God for those ones, but I have plans, thinking and trusting God on how to be very financially prosperous that without giving, without taking offering or tight, all our needs, the, all the bees of the church and stuff are fully paid. That's how I think, because people are fickle. I said to church family, I said, what am I going to start sharing? It's going to rub us the wrong way. But is it the truth? Yes. So what happened? What should we do? You turn. If you rub you the wrong way, just turn, then to rub you the right way. It's simple, because I started repenting since yesterday. Amen. Praise the Lord. People are fickle. So I'm trying to start getting into what, you know, fear of men is. So unhealthy desire to be approved, validated, to be accepted by men. This thing we call peer pressure, you know, doing things under the influence of a group of people. I have kids in the church this morning, so listen to me, kids, carefully here, and this applies to adults too. So, you use words and you act funny. When I say funny, you act unintelligently because your friends are acting unintelligently. They are not acting with common sense. They are acting according to the teachings of the world, destructive teachings. You know, I was listening to Pastor Dwayne Sheriff one day and was talking about the impact of friends on kids. He said, many kids, if their friends should jump off a cliff, they will follow. So kids, listen to me. Why should you lose your life? Because the friend you are following is not spiritually minded. Spiritually minded seems to be big grammar, right? He said it's not correct. Let me say it. Because when somebody is acting, there's no other way I can describe it. His head is not correct. Can you imagine some, a 14-year-old or a 12-year-old smoking cigarettes, smoking marijuana? See, I don't care what the, world of, what, what the world is saying, how they are trying to justify these things that destroy us. But when a 12-year-old kid is smoking marijuana, do you think his head is correct? It's not correct. And that's the person you choose to imitate. Something is not right with, right with us. Now, the reason why we do that is because of, of what we call peer pressure. But peer pressure actually means that you want those people to validate you. You want them to accept you. So the question is, why do you want your life to be destroyed? Because, some, because you want the validation and acceptance of somebody who is confused about your life. 
that may sound extreme, but I know what I'm talking about. Amen. You know, I, I, don't, I have um, zero tolerance for bullies. And these bullies are the, one of the most broken people in any organization, especially the ones that are kind of very loud. They are so broken and what they use to nurse their, nurse their, uh, the void in their heart is by controlling people and, you know, trying to become, trying to put up a face, trying to be the star of a place. If you are very, very confident in your identity and happy with yourself, you don't need a lot of people to try to validate you or control or press, manipulate people for you to feel good. It's wickedness. So kids, listen to me carefully. That peer pressure is a fear of people and the Bible tells us it's a dangerous trap because it's going to destroy you. It's only a matter of time if you don't quit it. Uh, I'm trusting God to help me to see how to help our kids on how to be strong and bold in their identity and be comfortable in themselves. Amen. So kids, what I'm trying to say is this. The fact that your friend is doing something wrong doesn't mean you should do it. If they were not going to accept you, if they will look at you as somebody who is um, like the old one out, don't care about it because you because you know what they are doing is wrong and it's going to destroy them, but you don't want to be destroyed. Should, should you go to prison because your friend wants to go to prison? Do, would you like to go to prison? No. So why do you want to do the things that a friend who is destiny who is destining themselves for prison come on what are you talking about what about all the sacrifice and the pain your parents has gone through for you so who should your loyalty to who is looking after you who is paying your school fees who is clothing you who is feeding you is he your friend nah let's 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 wake up it's not worth it looking at the sacrifice of your parents kids are you listening to this and parents, you have to replay this message for your kids. Looking at it, so listen to this. Looking at the sacrifice and the pain your parents has, has gone through. When you were sick, were, were those friends there? If you are sick tomorrow, would they really be around? Do they even know what they are doing? Because their parents are not even there. They, they are also subject to their parents. So why should your loyalty be to friends who don't even have a sense of a future? Who don't even have a respect for God? Why? It makes no sense. Kids, did you hear that? It makes no sense. And how do you hear that? It makes no sense. Praise the Lord. Amen. Say, I will repent. repent. Say, I will repent. repent. So part of a fear of bondage, oh, sorry, fear of uh, people is a fear of failure. So fear of failure has something around if I do, okay, let me put a fear of failure slash change because people are afraid to Okay. Their fear of failure, many people, not all, many people, is based on what will people say about me if I fail. So they know they are supposed to make a change, and this is why I said slash failure with fit with change. They know they are supposed to change, but because changing may make them fail. So it's like, what will people say about me or think of me if I fail? You've not even started the journey, you are thinking about if you should fail, if, what if you fail? And if what you are doing does not work, kids, listen to this as well. If you do something and doesn't work, it does not make you a failure. That thing did not work. Our life and the purpose of God for our life is much bigger than the events in our lives. I repeat, the purpose of God for our lives is long-term and is much bigger than the temporary events in our lives. Something happened that didn't work or it worked, praise God, move to the next one. As long as you are alive and still living, right, there are many more opportunities ahead of you. And for each time something does not work, what you should do is learn what did not work. Why did you feel? Why and move on? You ensure you hold on to that experience or the, the, the lessons, not experience, the lesson you learn from the experience, and avoid such thing from happening in the future. 
If your husband left you at the age of 30, that does not mean your life is destroyed. What? Why did this marriage? Why didn't this marriage work? It didn't work because I was manipulated into it. It didn't work because of this. It didn't work because of that. Okay, that's the end of the marriage. I still desire to be to be married. Yeah, I'm going to work with the Lord. He's going to send me another man that's going to love me, care about me. I'm not going to go the route or the channel I took when I got into this particular marriage. So a failed marriage is not a failed destiny. I repeat, a failed marriage is not a failed destiny. The essence of your existence as a child of God has nothing to do with your marital life. So when churches and pastors are telling you and looking down on you and giving you, putting a stigma on you because your marriage did not work and you are soaking up, you are following the wrong crowd. Amen. You are following the wrong crowd because for you to see yourself as a failure because your marriage failed and which in the actual sense is because of how people will see you. What's your brother, your sister? People say, ah, what a pity. They say the sense of pity and the, and the look of disdain is making you to stay in that marriage where you may die in the next 24 hours. That man just needs to slap you one more time and then you just hit the wall and that's it. I've told you guys, I'm very direct. There's no need for me to, to let me paint the picture for you properly. So there's no point in me trying to tell you, go for 10 minutes to tell you a matter. Let me tell you straight. If it's been beating you up, you just need to, maybe the next beating is what will take your life. Why? When God has not created you for you, but to be a blessing to nations, do you know the value of what you carry? So the fact that some people may think or see you as failure, why don't you leave them? Come and join the crew like my own. A one or two friendship crew. I don't have many friends. And I'm living and fine. Amen. Amen. If you, if you have to leave a congregation or leave a group of people, leave them and go and start your own friend. Go and look for intelligent and mature people and bring those ones into your fold one way or the other. Why are we doing this thing to ourselves? Amen. Amen. The way it's going, I think we might end up spending four weeks on this matter. Right. So let's carry on. That's maybe not a joke, but let's carry on. Amen. Amen. So uh, another thing I put in my notes here is fear of co-workers. What is your colleagues here at work? Who cares about your colleagues? Do they even care about you? Do they even think about you? So the things that I'm sharing are things that I've been through. Amen. And the degree of boldness to which I talk about them is the degree to which I've been free from those things. But I still struggle with them because the thoughts come but the decision I make when those thoughts and emotions are triggered me is what matters. So the emotions, the feeling, the thoughts is not what really counts, but what we do is what counts. Amen. I don't give a rip about what people think or say of me. And I'll, and I'll continue to say it until it's fully formed in my heart, whereby even if I feel a need to eat on the train, right, whether people are looking at me or not, I will not care because I'm hungry. I'm going for the, uh, maybe I'm going for a business. Sometimes I'm going for something. And if I don't have some sugar in my blood, I will not be, I mean, I may not pay attention. It ain't anybody's business. Of the people that saw you on the tube, of the people, except uh, the people that you saw today, how many of them, how many faces can you, can you remember? And we just, we just so, bought, and we are, our mind is just so bogged down with what people think or say about us that people don't even don't care. Come on. Amen. Pastor struggle. I, I was going to touch. I will, I will not miss that one. Pa- we struggle about the care of people. I mean, we struggle about what people say about us. I mean, we, we struggle with fear of people. We struggle. Sometimes we want to preach a message. You're preaching a message and your emotions thinking, ah, but would they not feel? But do you know the joyful thing about my life? And I thank you for that. I finished preaching it before you, before I think about it. <laughs> Amen. 
I finish teaching the message before I think about it because when I'm going to teach, I'm thinking Christ, I'm thinking the people. So I, as much as possible, learn to zero my mind. And that's why sometimes when I use some strong words, I'm not conscious of it. I just zero my mind, right? And I do my job and the business, the outcome or the output between me and God, it ain't anyone's business. Because I can do something to impress you, to give you what you like, but I may have just broken God's heart. You may say God's heart cannot be broken. I understand what I'm saying, but you get the gist. I mean, I've displeased God. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. I will have, everybody's happy, everybody's chanting and clamping. That's a good message. But I displeased God because that's not what he asked him to teach. And the people whose, whom he had in heart to heal, to strengthen, they've just kind of um, have robbed them of their blessings because I want the majority to be happy. I want to be a celebrity pastor. Nah, it's not happening. I repeat, it's not happening. Amen. So pastors, we struggle. We, we really, really struggle. The struggle is real. And I was sharing with people that said, you know, uh, sometimes I struggle to share certain messages because sometimes it's like, it, it feels like, ah, will people not think this, was too, this is too direct? Can I do a better job than the Bible? No. When the Bible is talking to you, like I said earlier on, does it go around it? But she tells you, no, this is not correct. This is not right. So what do you say about Paul? When he said, oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Or when Jesus fold the cords and drove money changes out of the temple, what do you say about that? I'm not even. I will not do that because I'm still a bit. I'm still. I'm very. You know, I live in a modernized world. You know. You know. I was just like, and I'm not saying Jesus was crude, right? But I was like, guys, you know, why are you doing this? Come on, just move your things out. You know. <laughs> I'm <not> saying, <laughs> guys, we gotta wake up. Christianity is not the place for you to come and sit. The, the church, the family, is a family. Father, speak to your children. Amen. We have to overcome this. Amen. Amen. So pastors, we do struggle. Uh, but let me say this. I say a good pastor ought to know how you think and feel and tell you the truth to help you. What I see most in the church today is that people do, pastors don't want to hurt people. They don't want people to leave church. So they don't tell them the truth. If you're in a place where they don't tell you the truth, you had already did. It's not a cross, but just truth. And people know, I say, see, the way I talk to you guys now is the way I talk. You know, I'm much calmer when I'm actually counseling. People can tell you. I'm much more calmer when I'm counseling because I'm, um, I, I modulate my, my body language, the tone of my voice because I want to really connect with people. You can ask my church family members. I'm very, very, I'm not as direct as this when I'm counseling people because I got to be sensitive to people's emotions and stuff like that. Uh, and that's because I'm doing my job as a pastor, as a counselor. But when I stand on a platform like this to talk to people, I have to release the word of God to people the way God wants, it to, God wants to speak to them. Amen. So a pastor should care about what you feel, what you think, but a pastor must never hold the truth away from you. If you don't like it, it's up to you. And you can't tell a pastor how to do his job. You can't tell a pastor what he should do or should not do. And because of this fear of, pe of people, pastors are really caving in. Amen. Pastors are caving in. They are changing their messages because they don't want to hurt people. Amen. Praise the Lord. So many of us are afraid of being called names. It's only a matter of time they start calling me names. So the thing is, is okay, let me teach you something. When people come against, come after you on social media, you know, if social media, it's that one is even easier because you have something you call block. You can block people. It's, life is easy. So if you, instead of you being afraid on social media because you said the truth, just block people. That's easier. 
and I get to me. I've seen people create a page with, I think, I, I can't remember how many followers they have, if it is going to thousands, against Andrew Womack. Somebody just dedicated their life to create a page against Andrew Womack. And I don't see, I looked on the page, I don't see anything good coming out of their life. No healing, no blessing, no gospel. And Andrew just does not care. Even it's had instances where he could take legal action against people. Like he told the people on his team that he's not spending a penny of his money to defend himself. I'm still trying to mature into that. Amen. Amen. So people, many of us are afraid of being called names. See, people can call you names. It's based on what they think of you. But is that the truth and reality of your life? No. I'm talking to myself too because I'm about to say, say this to myself over and over and over and I'm still saying to myself. So what I'm sharing with you guys today, I'm talking to both, all us both. Now, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to all of us. I get in, I'm talking to all of us. We are, we are afraid of being called names. People can call you. Everybody, anybody has a right to call you any name. The name you answer is what, the name you answer to is what affects your life. So you choose what name you want to answer to. Is that a name God calls you or the name that people call you so what name do you want to answer to or which name are you answering to dejected and all kind of labels that people put on people so which one are you answering to the one thing the Holy Spirit is dropping my heart right now is that many of us are more conscious of human beings than we are conscious of God and that's because we spend most of our time in the life space in the carnal space and we do intentionally surround ourselves with things that connect us or load our mind with the consciousness of God. So we are, no, we are more conscious of men than we are of God. And this is not just you, even myself. Because I'll tell you over and over that things still hit my heart and I'm like, why is this possible? Why? And I have to try to get back into understanding the love of God for me and put my trust in God. Amen. Amen. Because verse 25 of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 29 says, but trusting the Lord means safety. Trusting the Lord means safety. As long as the world is not stable, as long as the world is broken, as long as there's so much carnality and ungodliness in the world, wickedness in the world, you cannot be immune to attack. You know, I, we, we promoted one of our videos and one guy, he said, he says, he makes a comment. He said, I didn't, um, I don't care about the blah, 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 blah. I'm thinking, I did not invite you. When you saw it, you have just walked past. Why are you, you trying to get my attention? And I liked his comment. I don't know if he's about that. Because maybe he's expecting me to come back. And I liked it. And after I, after I said, you know, I'll just delete this. I, he had a, it was, I didn't block him because he didn't say too much. And why do I block people? I block people when they begin to spill out venom and they can plant evil seed in the heart of people. See, I'm not, I love people, but I'm training myself to cut people off as quickly as I can. Who wants to bring terror, evil, and poison into my life and i will not i will not blink because i've been on this journey for so long and i saw i've seen how destructive people can be to your life if i give you a few warnings i talk to you i encourage you i help you and i realize that i am reducing i am losing i'm losing my mind i'm losing my life to make you feel safe and feel happy jesus christ of nazareth knows me the next time you call my phone you are blocked I don't give a rip. Do you know how precious my life is? Do you know how many thousands and billions of lives depend on what God has called me to do? And I'll not allow one person to wreck my life because I want to impress them. I want to make them happy. Not even my parents. 
I'm not joking. Not even my parents will I allow again in my life to run my life because I fear them, take the wrong decision, and I lose my life because they don't bear the consequence with me. Teach them good. Amen. Love. Not even my parents. My mother is so amazing. She's so lovely. She sent us a seed. Mommy, God bless you. We receive it with joy. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I think I, I was privileged not to grow up with my father. How does that sound? Jesus Christ, why did you put me here? Okay, I'll do it. I was privileged not to be raised by my father. You know, some people are still thinking, I'm, a, I'm like this because my father was not there. So what if your father was a murderer? Yeah, you had me right. What if your father was a murderer? How does that affect your identity? Friends, we must understand. Let's go to John 12. John 1.12. Now listen to this very carefully, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He said, But to all who believed him and accepted him, talking about Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 13 says, They are, they are reborn, not with a physical birth, resulting from human passion of plan, but a birth that comes from God. We all have a first birth. But the birth that counts the most is the second birth, being born again. See, the moment you are born again, you should not allow your first birth to affect your life or decisions you make. Whether they planned to have you or you were adopted, you know what? Adopted, adopted children are more loved than children that were actually natural children that you give a birth to. So if you're an adopted child, listen to me, and people are telling you, are looking down at you because you were you are adopted, they have a problem in their brain. You know why? <laughs> because as for them, their parents got what they had. <laughs> so, you know, somebody, have, somebody had a child, somebody was pregnant, right? And they have a child. You know, they didn't have a choice as to the child they have. But for you, somebody chose to love you and bring you into their family. It was intentional. And I love how the Bible uses it for us that we are adopted into the family of God. It was by choice. So God chose to love me. So the Jews, ah, it's a pity. <clears throat> I'm, just, I'm just being joking here kind of thing. So people see themselves like, you know, they are children of God because they are, they are Israelite, blah, blah, blah. And they say, you know, me being a Gentile, like we, we, I had a privilege to come into the family of God, blah, blah, blah. Many Jews are not even in my family of God because they're not born again. Amen. Amen. So the Bible tells us about being reborn. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, John chapter 3, he said, you must be born again. You're not, so I repeat, your born against your born again is much valuable and more important than your natural birth. Because you may live 70 years on earth, but where are you gonna spend eternity? Eternity is long. It's long, thousands, long. 70 years of being alive in a physical human form and thousands of years being with the Father, being with the Lord. Amen. So we need to begin to get these things into our consciousness. Amen. Into our consciousness. Praise God. So drivers of fear, a few more drivers of fear. So fear of missing out, fear of being alone. You know how many women have gone to marry the wrong man or, or men married the wrong lady. When I say wrong lady, I'm not, I'm not attacking the person they married, but I'm saying they married, they, they make the wrong choice. 
of person to marry, but used to walk the wrong. Okay, I'm still working on my vocabulary too. They make the wrong choice because for the lady, l- listen to this. I'm 28. I'm not married. I'm 20. No man is looking looking at me. I'm 28. I'm not dating someone. I've said I've shared this with a lot of single ladies. I want to repeat it. <laughs> Which one is better? Marry at 35 or 37. Somebody say go for bid, whatever. <laughs> or you get married at 30 or 28. The guy start beating you up at 32. By 35, you are divorced. And then you are spending the next 10 years of your life not on the pain. No, let's be very serious. Let's be very serious. It was why Transmars Church is one of the best churches in this world you can be. Because you hear the truth that will make you free. I'm not trying to promote us. I'm just telling the truth. See, I've lived the life of lie. It didn't work. I think early enough in life, I started facing reality quickly, as quickly as possible. Amen. So which one do you prefer? Marry at 37? And that's worst case scenario. Somebody say, I can hear my spirit. Go forbid. But it's a matter of choice. You know what? You are rolling too much with people who define you by your marital status. So when people define you by your marital status and not by Christ, that you are a child of God, you are born again, you know the Father, and you are called to a purpose. Such people, you should avoid them. People who define you by your marital status and what you have. You have a job. You are a senior executive or something, something. Yes, I'm a senior person in my workplace. Right? I'm tired of it. Good salary. I'm tired. I want to come out of it and be making the money. The, see, the, the money is what matters. When I say that, I'm not saying I have, like, don't, don't mistake for love of money. The money that I need to get things done, pay off my mortgage, send my kids to school, invest in the kingdom, mostly, because most of my money will go into the kingdom, 60 to 80%, watch out. I get it. See, that money is what matters. See, the title that I'm being defined with on LinkedIn makes no, it's not helpful. It doesn't help the matter. Because you have the title on the the senior executive CEO. What's the worst thing? The guys that are they should move us and shake us of the they don't have title. So I've just shared with you what I'm also going through. I'm still re- re-engineering my thinking to say, guy, the wealth is what matters, not the title on LinkedIn. So in case you're a kind of person, after your signature, you write BSc. Your signature at work, BSc, MSc. You know, at work, uh, that may have hit you, just tone. Repent. Amen. You know, even when I was a when I was given a big title in my former organization, I I downgraded it. I don't want it. I don't like the light the word manager. I don't know why. A lead is fine, you know, program lead. Don't come program manager, program director, program lead. Because I'm leading a piece of work. Amen. Amen. Am I am I speaking this morning? Amen. Yes. Um, I think the angels have arrived. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are we being blessed this morning? Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So fear, so fear of being alone. Many women, many men, even many young people are doing what people are, ask, are, are asking them to do what they ought not to do because they don't want to be alone. Because if you don't follow their insanity, right, they will depart from you. But did the Bible not tell you that you should come out from among them and be separate? You should touch not the unclean thing. Do you realize that you are born again? You belong to a different kingdom. You are a unique being. Do you know the worth and the value you carry? See, lack of understanding of the actual value you carry in Christ Jesus is the reason why you are ruling with pigs. And when I say pigs, I'm not saying people are pigs, but I'm talking, I'm just trying to use as an amazing metaphor or simile. Death. When the Bible says you should not put a, 
ring into the snout of a pig. Come on, this is Bible, guys. This is not. Don't, somebody will say, you know, somebody may say, you know what? It makes me feel uncomfortable. Oh, I guess don't 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 pack with that. Do you know what the Bible calls? <laughs> Go to First Corinthians six. You read a lot there. It said, "What fellowship as light with darkness?" Calling the unbelievers darkness. So you will take a fight with the Bible, right? No, it's about identity. The illustrations to show that you belong to a different kingdom. Amen. Amen. So Amen. get rid of this fear of being alone. See, you may be alone in the heights of the world, but you are never alone with the Father. He cares about you. So I said you should read First Corinthians six, right? So go to later. Read Second Corinthians six. He said, "I will walk in them. I will be their Father. I will be their God. They will be my people." Come on. So it comes down to the fact that God is not in sight most of the time. And our identification has been solely packed and embedded in what human beings think of us. And this putting us in fear of danger on all kinds of stuff. The Bible tells us that the fear of people is a dangerous trap. Amen. And some of us, we, want to, we don't want to miss out. So you saw people running party on social media and you feel like, why did you not invite me? Thank God they did not invite me. Because I have to be thinking of how I'm going to get there, how I'm going to do this. It's just so good. They just save me time. You know, so, so, the more you value what is it about your life, I repeat, the more you value what it is about your life, you realize that you need a lot of time to manage your life. You need a lot of time to read, to invest into your life. I repeat, you need a lot of time to invest into your life. So if somebody does not invite you for a party, it's a blessing because it gives you the chance to rest and to read more. Amen. I have over 50 books to read on men. I'm trusting God like, Lord, when are you going to really, when am I going to actually transition out of nine to five job into running my own business, hire people to run it so that I can give myself to developing myself to do what you have called me to do. Amen. So where people did not involve you in a party is a blessing. The question is, do you understand what you are called to do? If you understand it and you understand how much time you need to invest into it, you will not um you will not you will not be you will not feel bad because you were not invited to a party. Amen. I'm nearly out of time. So let's start looking at consequences of this. So when, like the Bible tells us that the fear of people is a dangerous trap, right? So consequences of what does a trap look like? You know, you know, the fear of people will cause you to, to disobey God. I'll give us, I'll look at instances next week. I'll look at Saul's instance and what Jesus said, and we'll look at a solution next week. The fear of people will cause you to disobey people because when you are focused on people, when you are unhealthy and obsessively, you know, when you're overconscious of people, you are losing consciousness of God. Because, see, one have to weigh above the other. Both of them cannot be on the same scale to have an impact on you. So the one that is having impact on you the most is the one that weighs more in your life. People. But God should weigh more in your life. And how God weighs more in your life is by giving yourself to the things of God. Talking to God. Walking with God. Amen. And choosing to believe the God that you cannot see with your two eyes, but you know in your heart that he existed, that he lives, and he loves you. Amen. So fear of people will cause you to, dis to disobey God. Fear of people will cause you to, to compromise. I repeat, fear of people will cause you to compromise on your godly biblical morals. Men, 
if you have friends who are into all manner of stuff, and when I say all manner of stuff, I mean all manner of negative things, dealing with women and all kind of stuff, don't associate with them. <laughs> I shared a devotional last week, and um, I was one of Andrew Max's devotional, and I was talking about the fact that if negative and ungodly people have stronger influence on you, and you know, stay away from them. You can tell whether you are the one who have a stronger influence on, on, on godly people or they do on you. We have to be sincere with ourselves. Some friends come around you and when they start talking, you just realize that you are more submissive to what they say and you respect your opinion more than what the word of God says. Just be real. It's not a condemnation, but just need to understand where you are at. If there's a particular friend that you seem to esteem their voice you know, a lot and they, they have negative influence on people, they are ungodly, don't roll with them. Because they're gonna influence you. And if you think that you are the boldest in your in your in your crew and you are the child of God and stuff like that, uh, it still doesn't mean that you should be rolling with those guys. Because the Bible says that evil communication corrupt good manners. He that walks the wise shall be shall be wise, but the companion of fools shall be destroyed. Amen. Amen. So if you are afraid of people, you know, seeking and you desire to the acceptance to be among them, for them to praise you, for them to honor you, you will compromise on a lot of things and you begin to lose your godly virtues and you start, you begin to look like them. Amen. And fear of people will be stressed in your life. Oh my goodness. Oh, I think I should, I should stop there. Fear of people will build stress into your life. It's too stressful to want the acceptance of people because you, you can never please people. So you just be an unstable person in your life. It's very stressful. Amen. So guys, um, I'm going to stop here um, so that we can get into Zoom and get feedback. Uh, I've heard a lot of stuff from my heart and things that God has told me to share on getting the fear of people. And this is still kind of introduction. Um, next week, I'll, I'll spend more time to unpack the consequences of fear of people. Uh, you know, And I'm also going to be connecting it with the life of Saul um, so is a typical example. We look at how Jesus handles the praise of men, the honor of men. Jesus is our example, right? And when I say Saul, yeah, I'm not talking about Saul, about the converted to Apostle Paul. We're talking about uh, King Saul in the book of 1 Samuel, right? Um, I've, I've seen men become an enemy of their children because they love the praise of men. I've seen pastors lose their marriage because of praise of people. I've seen men, I mean, singers go into adultery and all kind of evil because they enjoy the company and the praise and the validation of people who do not know God. Some people look glamorous. They look like they are the star, but many of them are broken on the inside. They are broken on the inside. So in many, on many occasions, in many instances, what you see is not the real thing. Amen. What you see is not the real thing. And you and I must learn to value and appreciate what we carry. Don't look at what's outside there because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Amen. 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 I want to say something, but ladies will start to stoning me. But let me, let me, let me, let me keep quiet. You know about those makeup things, right? <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I love makeup. You need to see my wife yesterday when we were having our, our, our second you know, I get to get that better practice. She was looking so amazing. But in makeup or without makeup, I don't see the difference because it's beautiful. 
<laughs> I didn't get to me. I don't see the difference because she's naturally beautiful. Amen. Uh, guys, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking to guys here. So if you are trying to love a girl because of what she looks like, <laughs> praise the Lord. I will not say more so that we can continue to be friends. I'm not afraid of people, but I just want to stop this. So that we, can be best friend. Amen. we love you guys.